Welcome to the Fearless Warrior Podcast. This is a place where warriors are shaped. I'm your host, Danny Timras, and it is my personal mission to help you awaken your warrior spirit. Fearless Warrior isn't the one who has no fear. It is a warrior who stays with the fight no matter the struggle, fear, or circumstances. The real warriors have the discipline, grit, and tenacity to chase their dreams and stay on their path. Are you one of them? Tune in and learn from the warriors of today and start carving out the warrior within. Welcome to the next episode on the Fearless Warrior Podcast. This is Danny Timmers, your host, and today's topic is all about handling promotion conversations. As it's a very um, important topic, especially this time of year when many of you are going through performance reviews, so I hope this will come handy uh, just right in time. We're joined here by a very special guest, who I'll introduce very shortly, and today we answer some of the big questions like how you should ask for a promotion, or handle a conversation about your promotion when things don't go that well, or maybe you haven't landed a promotion that year, and how to react to that. So the host of the day is Sue Bunnell. Sue is the SVP at Wells Fargo, where she has served for over 20 years in a variety of legal roles. She currently leads a team that handles info security, technology, renewable energy, physical security, property management, construction, and wide-ranging vendor transactional practice across the more than 6,000 retail and administrative locations in 33 countries. She's been a guiding voice on Wells Fargo COVID-19 and pandemic response activities to keep essential workers and customers safe in Wells Fargo's facilities. She's a true powerhouse. Sue is also the president and co-chair of LWT, a women's professional development and advancement nonprofit that started here in the Bay Area and now has year-long programs in San Francisco, Palo Alto, New York, and Seattle. She joined the board of the Professional and Business Women of California last year and is delighted to serve on the committee that puts on the annual Young Women's Professional Summit for up-and-coming women in all industries. In this episode, Sue and I talk about her definition of leadership, what type of leaders we need at this time. Sue unpacks the key qualities and skills that make a good leader and how you can rise up to become one. Outside of this, we discuss how to approach conversations about promotion or career change with empathy and curiosity, and the right questions you should be asking to understand the full context of why you didn't get that promotion. What I appreciate the most about this conversation was the insider scoop on how promotion decisions are made and how not to take unmet promotion desires personally or with disappointment, which is why you need to understand the broader business context. If you are able to approach these conversations with empathy and curiosity, you'll be able to receive information you wouldn't have known otherwise, all while protecting your reputation and gaining even more respect from your manager. So listen intently and take notes. And now, enjoy my conversation with Sue Bunnell. Well, Sue, thank you so much for coming on to the Fearless Warrior podcast. I'm so excited to have you. It's great to be here. I love to talk leadership. I love to talk about these subjects. So it's a thrill to have a platform to share my thoughts, my experience with some other folks. 
Absolutely. I'm glad for you to be here. Now, there's something interesting that I read about you as I was preparing for this conversation. You have a very interesting headline on LinkedIn, which says, legal leader, woman's advocate, career therapist, salty wisdom. And I thought that was so you know, spot on. I thought I just wanted to bring it up here. And I was wondering if you could expand on this a little bit more and tell us a little bit more what these mean to you. Well, I'm a big fan of truth in advertising. I am a leader in the legal world. My nonprofit and the nonprofits I work with means a whole bunch to me. I, I really am all about talking to people through their challenges with their professional development and their careers. Uh, I think my position as a lawyer is very much an advocate's position. And I think I take that same role with other people when I'm talking to them about their professional development, right? Sometimes it's not always advice they want to hear, but I think sometimes, you know, my goal in my career therapy is to help folks see more clearly, right? Not just the risks of movement, but the risks of doing nothing, which I think is sometimes a real, a real peril that folks don't see. And then salty wisdom, just because I really have a potty mouth. I don't know if I was secretly a trucker or a stevedore in another life, but I really do find that the world is better with swear words. And I, I do have to tamp it down at work because corporate America. So it pretty much bleeds out everywhere else. I'll try to be polite today, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to fail. <laughs> and you don't have to worry about that because here we have full freedom of expression. So anything goes. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm eager we could start on the on this positive note. And, you know, at the end, like we need to be true and authentic to ourselves. And uh, that's kind of the only way to live, the way I look at it. So today we're here to talk about leadership. And there are so many questions I want to ask you. But first, I'd like to give the listeners an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. So today you're SVP of Legal at Wells Fargo, so a large corporation. But like what were your initial beginnings into getting into leadership? Well, I think of leadership as not necessarily a title. I think of mm -hmm. it as a verb, right? I think people who lead are leaders. And I don't think it really matters whether you've got an enormous chain of direct reports or really the most substantially connected and collaborative individual contributor, right? I've seen lots of managers who are not particularly leaders and lots of individual contributors who lead in a way that is impressive, right? And just extraordinary. So for me, leadership... The two often go hand in hand, but they don't necessarily. I think a leader is somebody who thinks deeply, sees clearly, executes efficiently, and brings people along, right? And as much as possible in a way that is enthusiastic and uplifting and sometimes needs to be constructive and remedial in the sense of sort of fixing or adjusting. But I think of a leader as somebody who is has got a really strong sense of self, both of what they're good at and where they have gaps or opportunities and is somebody who's really capable of not just gathering, but attracting people to their team, their cause, especially folks who round out or complement where they're less strong. Absolutely. And I like it how you brought the concept of leadership or the true understanding of leadership into the perspective, because it's definitely not just about the titles and, you know, everybody says, right, or not maybe everybody, but titles are a dime a dozen. And yet it's definitely something that do people think about. So I love it how you empathize the importance of bringing your leadership into action, no matter what title you have. So definitely in individual contributors or, you know, other members on the team. And that's a great start. So 
we find ourselves right at the beginning of 2021. So it's uh, mid-January when we're recording this, and this is definitely time of many changes. What have you seen from your experience or even what you've noticed in the past year? What are the type of leaders that we need right now the most? Well, I mean, most of us have been at home here in the Bay Area in San Francisco since the middle of March. And it's been a time of real isolation. I think it's been a time where we've had to act very intentionally to connect with people. There is no more running into someone in the hallway. There is no more seeing somebody in the coffee room. So to me, leadership in the last year has really meant being intentional, not just about work-related activities, but being intentional about connecting, being intentional about on our instant message system at work, sending a note like, saw this funny thing, it made me think of you, stuck on this meeting, hope you're doing well, right? Again, I think everyone loves to feel like someone's thinking about them and our minds, our little monkey minds go in circles, right, all day. And I think where we are thinking of others or thinking about others, it's been my practice to really reach out and that has both, I hope, made their isolation a little bit less complete. It certainly has helped me because I think when you're getting out of your own head and thinking about other people, there's a natural forward motion. There's a natural tendency to start walking and keep stepping as opposed to sort of keep retracting. The world gets pretty small. So I think for me in the last year, it has been um, being thoughtful and also just recognizing that this is a really hard time. There was a great quote that was going around early on in the pandemic that was, we're not trying to succeed or to conquer the world during the pandemic. We're trying to survive the pandemic and do what we can in the meantime. I think there are a lot of folks who've had extreme challenges with their health, with the health of folks in their family. Certainly, I feel for the folks with small kids or, or, or school-age kids whose job now includes being IT support and teacher of all things educational from first through 12th grade. So I think people have had really difficult challenges is not even to say the folks who among the 400,000 who have, you know, lost family members and friends. It's been a really hard time. And I think a time where I've tried to show compassion to other people and, and to myself at the difficulties we were all facing. And I think it's sort of a, an issue writ large that we experience writ small every day, how to see clearly, how to step lightly and how to engage as neutrally as possible. I think there are a lot of people who think of leaders as someone who is go, go, go. But I think of leadership as actually the ability to be neutral, right? To listen truly to what folks on the larger team are saying, to not go in with such a fixed idea of what success looks like, that you really can pay attention, right? And also, like a really in-shape runner, it's the ability to get back to neutral, to have your heart rate get back to a regular rate quickly. I think we're all human and there's all things that activate us, right? There's things that there's adverse emotions or we're upset or we're angry or we're disappointed or frustrated because again, we're human. I think good leaders can actually shift into neutral and go, whew, okay. So in their heads, I'm feeling this, but that's not productive, Right. I've, I've made some assumptions or I'm bringing some baggage to this. I think a good leader can get to neutral fast and start getting curious about the things that are infuriating or disappointing or frustrating. And I think that really smart use of that gear of neutral and return to a point of poise, I think is, is really critical for good leadership. 
Yes, I love it. I love the metaphor of shifting back to neutral, as it's true. There are so many things that happen during the day and different escalations come your way. And we just cannot lose our temper or, <laughs> uh, or even just, as you said, it's not productive. It's not helping us. It's not helping other people. We're definitely not moving forward. So we need to find a way how to step back and then evaluate the situation yeah, with a good perspective. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, what has 2020 been like for you, especially as a leader in your organization? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I'm an attorney and I support IT, corporate security, technology, project management, construction, OSHA, ADA for 6,000 plus facilities in 33 countries. Luckily, our international COVID response is fielded by the international teams, but we've had 38 states worth of mandates and orders and dictates from the CDC and from various other uh, WHO, OSHA on compliance, right? We have been working incredibly hard. So I was laughing because there was a time when a 16 hour day um, was a really short day. Um, when we were in the thickest part of it, which sort of April to July, there was a, a little reprieve. And then there was another whole uh, range of orders. I think 2020 for me was getting a involuntary PhD in COVID and, and OSHA because it really matters a lot to us that our employees are mm -hmm. safe, that our customers are safe, that we're doing things in a way that support um, the goals of the financial institution. I don't do any banking myself. I face the operational side. I face vendors and facilities and some of the regulatory work around renewable energy and, and that space. So when it comes to Wells Fargo, I'm actually more a customer when it comes to the banking. I don't do any of that law, but just the wide range of things I was dealing with on a daily basis and learning HVAC airflow rates and learning, you know, cleaning procedures and studying ultra, it was a crazy year, but really and truly it was an amazing year. I got to see the very best of my colleagues. We got to get in the boat and row really hard together to do the right thing. And I think there's a lot of 2020 hindsight, I guess, pun intended. You know, there were so many things that seemed so obvious now sitting in January 2021 that were absolutely flabbergasting and flummoxing when we were in the middle of it. There was no industry practice. There was no standard. There was no guideline. There was no reg or law. We just sort of had to logic and, and rationalize our way through what would be the most prudent, what would be the most protective. And so I'm really proud of the work that we did, but it was honestly, it was a hot panic from the word go. So, you know, again, I think we've got um, a different administration in right now, and I'm really looking forward to some federal level decisions that are going to allow us to have a platform-wide response that is not custom in nearly every location, which is what we're dealing with now. Yeah, that, that can give you some headache, especially when you're managing that many states. So I'm really glad that you were able to witness the best of your colleagues. I mean, that that was probably the best that I heard from or what I appreciate from what you just shared, that really people stepped up to the plate and that you handled it yeah. as a team. That's really great to hear. And, and then you mentioned 16-hour days would be the shorter ones, which sounds a little scary. Like, how did you manage to go through that period yourself? How did you make yourself strong? Well, I think it was sort of holding on to the purpose, right? Holding on to the purpose of why we were doing it. Also, like I said, it's not like I was doing this on my own. I was very much in a rowboat with other people who were working just as hard, right? It was incredibly inspiring to see 
the range of people and the range of roles that I was working with who were all, I think, with a desire to move quickly, but really trying to think their way through the challenges and to think not just now and not just next week, but to think, how is this going to play out? What are the consequences down the road? So it really, it was a ballet. And sometimes there were two people dancing and sometimes the whole core was involved, but it was really inspiring to have so many people on my left and on my right doing different versions of the same work for the final work product to come together. That's great. I'm glad that you had a lot of the support as you're, as you're describing and that you did it together as a team, which kind of brings me to another theme where a lot of the talks about leadership and also like what I believe in is that we really um, need to work together to foster an environment of trust, collaboration, inclusion, which is more and more important, but it's becoming a little bit more challenging, especially in this virtual world. So I'm curious, how are you thinking about these behaviors or um or not maybe behaviors, but this cultural shift in your specific case or at Wells Fargo? Well, for me, I think, you know, trust comes from being clear, right? And being forthright, both in what you're capable of doing and where you need help. And to me, that sort of drives collaboration. The reality is, for me, being honest about my shortcomings or where I need help or what I need um, to have happen, right, to make a client goal possible involves me being sort of self-compassionate about where and how and why I can't do all things right or where I've got some gaps, as well as being kind to others and showing them compassion where they may make a mistake or they may not get all the way around the corner. So I think for me, it's really just showing up 100% Sue, right? And not asking for someone to be anyone different, just asking for them to come with their best and I'll come with my best. And most days that's going to be enough. And some days we're going to fall short and need to find a third person whose best is going to fill in the gap that the two of us have. So it's one of those things where I don't think we have a fixed jigsaw puzzle. We all have the shapes where we fit together and we have got gaps and spaces. And I think sometimes two people make the puzzle, right? And sometimes you're like, nope, we're missing a piece and you got to go find the right piece that fits. I think some of it is just, you're never going to find the right piece if you don't acknowledge the shape you are or the shape someone else on the team is, right? I think it's really being willing to see clearly. I think that's what, what builds trust and being willing to, to speak clearly, right? I think there are a lot of people who walk around in their head asking for things, but they don't articulate it very well. They don't say, hey, Danny, I'd really like you to come in here and help with this if you have time. I know you're really good at X. We have a, we really have a big need for X. So even if you can't help, can you come in and at least tell us what we're missing? Love to have you, but if not, we can find someone else who can help. As opposed to saying, wow, we really need a lot of help with this project and not giving you a clear call to action or a clear way to help. I think there are a lot of people who walk around martyrs and victims because no one's reading their mind in the way that they're hoping someone will. And then they wonder why they don't get any help. And I don't think they realize that they've got some power in their hands that they're not using. Yeah, that's a that's a great um, recommendation here. Like be specific in your ask, right? Um, give people something to understand, you know, how they can support you. And as a leader, you, you get to piece this together, right? You need to know what are the missing pieces and then find the right individuals that can provide you the right support, their talents, their skill sets. So that's kind of the, the magic or the, the part of that role 
but at least in my viewpoint. So, which kind of brings me to how, how we initially met. So I was part of the LWT uh, leadership program that you're on the board of and uh, a chairman, which has been such a pleasure to be part of. So for those who are not familiar with LWT, LWT is a year-long program for women who are interested in growing their leadership skills. And it's been a phenomenal experience for me to go through. And I know that you're deeply invested in supporting women to rise up, to become more confident, to take those opportunities. So could you tell us a little bit more about uh, your experience with this organization or even why you got involved? Yeah, actually, uh, well, LWD puts on a program called Willpower, and it's a program that takes women from all backgrounds, all levels of experience, all roles, all industries, because I, I think our experience is the diversity in the class does really build the best cohort, having all of one kind of person or one age or one role, we think doesn't nearly offer the support that the variety does. But I will tell you how I became involved in Willpower and at LWT was I, uh, you know, I'd been a lawyer for a while and I had some goals for myself, as I think we all do. And I had thrown my hat into the ring for a set of promotions to a management level. And when I let my boss know that I was interested, what I realized is there was a couple people on the team who she'd already talked to about this and who she already sort of earmarked for this, right? And she said, Sue, but you're a great attorney and you're a great mentor, you're a great coach, but you know, you never let me know that you wanted to be a manager. And so I've been working with, you know, this one person and this other person. And as if to say, I had not been clear in any way about what I wanted, right? I was up in my head with, I thought my intention was clear. Look at me managing projects, look at me mentoring people, you know, look at me handling some administrative tasks, some audits and whatever. I'm like, it's obvious because I've got my head down and I'm working so hard. It's obvious what I want, which of course, when I tell that story, it's laughable. It, it wasn't obvious. It certainly wasn't obvious to my boss with whom I had a great relationship because the reality is that every major decision about your career is made in a room that you're not in. And if you haven't taken the time to share your goals, to share your professional ambitions with the people who are making those decisions, you cannot be surprised and you better get ready to be disappointed because you're asking them to know the unknowable and do something that would be somewhat revolutionary, which is never having had a conversation with you about management, whether you're interested or whatever, I'm just going to put you in this position and hope for the best, which is bananas, right? But again, there's that moment where you're like, oh, so I went through this sort of epiphany, right? When I went through the Willpower program, that there's a whole series of actions and ways of showing up and ways of presenting ourselves to the world that are not huge. They're more incremental, but helping the world to see what we're capable of, helping the world to see how we can help them, how we solve their problems, how we can be a part of the creative solution to what seem like intractable issues is that conversation over and up is an incredibly important part of progress and career development, right? Because sitting around saying nothing, doing nothing, and hoping that something happens is somewhat fantastical in the sense that it is a very low probability of success. So I went through the program 
And I, I loved the lessons I learned. I loved the clarity of the speakers. I loved the discussion groups that we had. And I thought I really need to be a part of this. I volunteered. I joined the board. So this is my third year as president. And I'm, I'm so thrilled to do this work with and for the women who are going through it because I've got friends who are like a friend who's 55 who just retired from one company who wants to know what she wants to do. And there's women who are going through it who are 29 who obviously have a whole career ahead of them, all of whom are kind of thinking, what change do I want for myself? Because we all have professional ambitions, right? They change over time. I think there's some folks who, when they've got small children, kind of maybe downshift a little bit or throw it in neutral. And then when the kids are more capable of taking care of themselves, they let loose the floodgates again. I think we all have different moments in our life where things are more or less possible, but we're never going to get anywhere if we can't be really intentional and put in place a plan and hold ourselves accountable for the subtasks that add up to the goal or the achievement, right? I think there are a lot of folks who have goals. Like, you know, we're at the beginning of the year. So imagine New Year's resolutions. And if your New Year's resolution was to get into shape, buying a book about running a 10K is not going to get you anywhere. You at some point have to start stepping, right? And at some point have to like put on your shoes and get out and do the running. So I think a lot of us, we want progress in our careers, but we want it up in our head as opposed to in a plan on paper and then out in the real world. And I think um, this program is, and there's lots of other programs too, but this program that I'm part of helps folks to really put into practice these pragmatic soft skills and practical approaches to leadership and confidence and career decision-making that, you know, really do make a difference. Thank you so much for sharing that. I couldn't agree more. I've definitely had so much positive experience with the Willpower program. And I think it's a great opportunity for every woman to participate in. So actually, if there's, you know, the listeners who are listening today, if they want to take the next step in their career and they want to take a leadership role, right, or they want to make that ask, what are some of the first things they they should do to make that happen? Well, whenever you're thinking about trying to negotiate a new corner, whether it's a new job or a promotion or a raise, or even, you know, a business case for a project you'd like to see funded at work, right, or supported. I really think the most critical part about that is research, right? Is that understanding with crystal clarity, I mean, I'll use a sort of a, you know, someone interviewing for a job, understanding with crystal clarity what your value is in the market for your role at your level in your geography, because software engineers in Silicon Valley are on a whole different scale than software engineers in Des Moines, Iowa, right? So doing the market research for what it looks like is going to be critical to understanding all of the different things that are involved in that decision. When it comes to like trying to get a promotion internally, again, the research is maybe a little bit more circumscribed. It's here within the company, but it's still getting a crystal clear idea or putting forward a business case, understanding what the competing priorities of the decision maker are so that you can find the right ways to express your goals in a way that is powerful and influential and uses the leverage, right, that's available. So I think a lot of people want something, but they want something in a me way. And I think when you understand that your decision maker is looking at it not from a how do I please do, although that would be great. I would love every decision maker to use me as their frame. But when you understand that they've got their motivation, their bottom line, 
their frameworks, right? What's possible and not possible for them. When you're doing the research to be in the head of your decision maker, you're making it about what is possible as opposed to what's just desired. So I think that's a critical part is doing that research. Sometimes it's painful because you find out, look, it's not possible, right? This job that I want isn't going to pay me what I think I'm worth, or this project isn't going to get funded because the ROI is too low and there's too many projects in front of it. So I think doing that research helps you to be informed so that you have a decision about whether to be frustrated but stay where you are or to be frustrated and decide maybe some other place is better for you. It helps you to make informed decisions. And I think a lot of people skip that step right? I'm not loving this job. I'll go apply for these 17 jobs because that's what's going to make me happy, right? And there's a possibility it will, but I think a lot more facts are needed before that's true. Totally. And I love it how you bring it into perspective of the person in charge, right? They're making that decision. Like you really need to look at it from their perspective, right? And like, see, okay, where's the overlap? How can I provide more value versus, hey, like, this is what I really want. And if I don't get it, I'll go somewhere else, right? So we're like, how can I be more of a contribution, right, to the company? And even like, can I actually even play these roles, right? Because when we think about leadership, we might even think about it from all the the good things that it brings or like the perks and everything that's part of it, but we don't necessarily see the other side, like the the, the challenges that are part of leadership. Could you talk about it some more? Like, let's say when, when you are in that leadership role, like what are some of the most difficult things that you needed to deal with that, or like the burden that really comes on your shoulders and that makes leadership hard? Some of the tough choices you needed to make. Well, I'm a Virgo and a middle child. And so I'm very much a people pleaser. So I find that I'm, most challenge when someone has a perfectly reasonable request, but because of resource constraints, and there's resource constraints anywhere, I can't give them what they want, or I can't prioritize their ask in the order they'd like it to be. When you're going to approach a leader, I think understanding and really being aware, and I think speaking cogently to the tasks and the burdens you know they have. Look, I know you're really overwhelmed right now and I don't want to add to your burden. I want to propose something because I think ultimately it's going to actually take a lot off our plate. So let me know when a good time for you is. The, the reality is that sometimes folks have what they consider to be great ideas, but it's the leader is just like, oh, holy moly, it's one more thing. And you're right, it could be great, but not today, not right now. So I think some of it is really sort of reading the room, finding the right time to put the ask in front of them, having done the research, right? Because I think when someone comes to me with a great idea and I say, okay, well, how much is it going to cost? How long is it going to take? Who else do we need to involve? Does it involve any technology? And they go, huh, you're not ready to have this conversation with me. So like, go do all your research and come back. So from my perspective as a leader, I would say a lot of it comes down to, am I working with people who are prepared? Because if they're not prepared, that's exactly where I'm going to send them. Because I'll always have the conversation, but I'd rather do it once and well, as opposed to multiple times. And really, I think, you know, there are some times when somebody wants to move in a direction that we don't need, or when somebody wants to move in a direction, and we really need them doing what they're doing now. So it's balancing, I think, that the goal of developing them while still needing to get the bread and butter work done. And even on the other side, right, you as a as a team member being clear about what you want or what you're hoping for, like long term, right, being transparent with your manager and then working together towards those goals. Yeah, that can be a cultural thing. I think there's some places where that conversation, that company culture is tell me where you want to go and I will try and help you get there. I think there's some other companies where 
you know, things are a little bit more static, where somebody who wants to move or grow is a challenge to the status quo. And I think it's a testament to the success of management when people feel comfortable saying, help me get promoted out of your group. <laughs> right? I mean, it's easy to it's easy to think about, but I think those conversations can be really daunting for the individual to come to their manager. I think it's a really smart manager who says, you know what, if you're happy here, let's figure out ways to make you happier. And if this isn't your best and highest use, let's figure out how to get you there. I mean, I think there are folks who I have helped promote into other roles or folks who I've helped promote into other groups um, in the company. And it's always sad when you lose somebody who's a good contributor. But the reality is, if you don't find a way to make them pleased with what they're doing and growing and developing, they're going to leave entirely. And that's a real loss for the company. So I think it's definitely on the manager or leader to, to hold space for their team to be honest and forthright about that, and then to really make good on it and to help them try and get there. Yeah, I agree with you. And I really like it how you talked about it from different perspectives, but even before helping, let's say even myself right now, I'm being reminded again of the empathy towards that manager and all the things that that person needs to wrestle with and the priorities that maybe sometimes I'm not even aware of, right? Or let's say there might be times when you're working towards a promotion and then timeline is getting, being postponed, right? Which is maybe causing some frustration, right? And what's going on and not really understanding the broader context, right? Like is the, the thing that causes that friction, right? But more coming to the table with open mind and really asking, hey, so tell me more about what are the authorities that you right. have to manage? What is the broader context versus how come it's not happening, right? It's a very different mindset yeah. to have. Well, I mean, I think you're right. It's about getting curious. I hear you saying that I don't get the promotion this year. It, is it because that's something you're not recommending or are you recommending it and priorities higher on the food chain are, are making it not possible, right? Are, are promotions frozen? Which, In which case, me not getting a promotion doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm bummed, but it's not a me thing. It's a company thing. Or that you're not able to make the recommendation, right? Because I, I just think that feedback, even if it's you do, what you don't want to hear is a gift, the idea that somebody always said that, you know, you should never have anything show up in your review that you haven't had a conversation about. And I laughed about that because with my team, you know, basically everything we work on, there's a feedback loop for them and for me, right? And not a huge formal feedback loop. I thought you did a really great job. Or I thought you did a great job. There's, I think, an opportunity to maybe next time do it a little differently, right? Again, we all want to think of ourselves as doing everything right all the time. Wouldn't that be lovely? But the reality is, you know, I think sometimes we're not aware of how we're coming off or sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And I think it's the manager and leader's obligation to really be clear about where things are going well and where there are opportunities. I think uh, Kim Scott, her book, Radical Candor, she talks about the four box quadrant where you've got what she calls ruinous empathy, where you're so concerned about hurting someone's feelings that you don't give them the feedback they need in order to grow. I think as somebody who is a longstanding people pleaser, Kim Scott's work for me was really important about the clarity of the message. And if they aren't hearing you, it's not because they're bad people. It's because you have not been specific enough, persuasive enough. And I think that's the leader's obligation, right? Sometimes it's a peered relationship. It's a little bit harder per, to provide pointed feedback as a peer, but we all need to, especially when it's, it's good feedback. People 
do think all sorts of supportive thoughts all day that they think, oh, that's weird. I'm not going to, that just sounds like cheerleading. But the reality is the world needs more cheerleaders. The world needs more like, Danny, you crushed that. That was great, (laughs) right? And quite honestly, I think we're all better when we're doing that because it has us looking for the good. I agree because when you can see the, the positive fruits of your labor, you want to do more of it, right? Because you, you feel yeah. recognized, you feel acknowledged, and then uh, you actually bring your skill set so much more to the table and are even more willing to work outside of the box. Yeah. Well, there's that whole thing about optimism, right? It confers the happiness advantage, right? People who are optimistic are not necessarily better at a task, but they're far more confident that if they keep working, they'll get there. And it's been measured. I am a huge social science junkie. I like read all of it. I am fascinated by it. But the reality is you don't need to be glass all the way full, like glass half full and hopeful is actually pretty important. You can be skeptical about facts or skeptical or realistic about the the likelihood of achievement. But people who go into a situation with some hopefulness, with some optimism that what they personally can do you know, that sense of agency or free will, something I do can make a difference. They have measured it across both professional and personal realms. And in almost every area of someone's life, a sense of optimism makes a difference in every outcome, right? So I think it's important that if you want people to really lean in with a sense of joy, okay, joy might be an overstatement, with gladness, right? The idea that I'm happy to be helping, right? Also, they pay me every two weeks, which is important, but I'm also happy to be helping this person, right? Who is thankful and grateful and appreciates what I do well, because that's somebody from whom I'm going to take feedback so much more gratefully than somebody who is gruff, never says thank you, and only points out what I'm doing wrong. That's a, that's a rough way to go. You said it right. It's very true. (laughs) Well, it's obvious that you've been in the game for a long time. You've learned a great deal. And I'm so glad you could join us today to be part of this conversation. I want to be very mindful of your time because I know you're a very busy woman. And do you have any parting thoughts you'd like to share with the listeners? Anybody who's either interested in going for their first leadership position or even now is going through a career change and wants to make that shift during these times? Yeah, two things. One, write it down. People who write down their goals and then write down the individual tasks that they're going to need to accomplish to reach that goal, accomplish it at multiples, the rate of somebody who just has an idea, right? Because when you go from hope to plan, you go from maybe to a real chance of having it get done. So I would say write it down and be willing to struggle. If you we're going to get, like, we have goals. And, you know, the reality is if what you were doing was working, you'd already be there, right? So if you have goals that you haven't yet achieved, you have to be willing to change. And change is uncomfortable. But the reality is there is only one way to it, which is through it. So making that plan and making those sub goals and holding yourself accountable is really important for moving forward because I'm living proof, just putting your head down and working really hard, turns out might work, but more often than not, won't. (laughs) So really having that plan and executing against the plan and being willing to live through some of the discomfort as you research a project or research a new role or research a new industry to figure out how you fit, right? How you can achieve your goal and also meet 
the company's goal or your manager's goal or your leader's goal. I think when you can find that, like you said, like that great Venn diagram where there's, you know, crosshatch, right? Where what you want is exactly what they want and what they have and what they can provide. It all seems so easy, but that easy is usually a product of the work. So I'd say do the work, have a plan and do the work. I love it. Sounds simple or it's not easy. (laughs) Sue, thank you. This has been such a pleasure. I do have last two questions I want to ask you. What is your definition of a warrior? Somebody who sees a way they can make the difference and does what it takes to cross the divide. Excellent. Excellent. I love the brief. Very powerful definition. And and finally, uh, if people want to reach out to, to you, follow up with you, where can they find you? I can always be contacted on LinkedIn. I'm really excited to connect and hear what people are working on and how they're working to within the frame of what's possible, you know, make their world a little bit better and make the world better for other people. Fabulous. So LinkedIn it is. I'll make sure to include your profile info in the show notes. And with that, I... Thank you for your time. This was such a pleasure. I hope to see you very soon. Thanks, Danny. It's been great to be here. And I know it takes some courage and bravery to put content out in the world and hope that the world receives it with the joy and the positive intent that you do it. And I can tell that your voice has weight and it carries meaning and it reaches people. And I think it's fantastic. So kudos to you. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you for spending some time with me and most of all, for investing time in yourself. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. This will greatly help us spread the word and help others find it more easily. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Denny Timras. Shoot me a note and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. I always welcome any feedback or questions. Remember, now that you're here, you're part of a tribe. In this tribe, we care for each other. We lift each other up as well as share the raw, honest, unpolished truth that we often need to hear. So before you go, think about the next best action you can take to get you on your path to success. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make a commitment and do it now. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great day.